Welcome to That's Feminism Bro. I'm your host, Bridget Van Buskirk, and together we explore diverse voices in modern female strength. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, Lisa, I am super excited about today. I think we're going to have a lot of fun here. Um, ladies across the screen from me, I have Lisa Dury because it's 2021 and we do things across the screen from each other. So thanks for coming to my home. Well, I'm thanks for having home. me in your home. I'm thrilled <laughs> to be in your home. I love it. Good. Um, Lisa built her expertise in leadership development during her 20 plus years as a leader in technology, talent development, and customer success at Synapse and Applied Materials. In 2017, she co-founded the RLD Group. It's a boutique coaching and consulting firm helping tech organizations turn their people leaders into their biggest asset. As a leadership advisor, speaker, systems change facilitator, and host of the Control-Alt-Delete, great name, by the way, podcast, she helps leaders in tech build high-performing teams, avoid burnout, and be present for the moments that matter. Lisa has been featured multiple times in the Mercury News, um, Romper, Medium, and Authority Magazine. Lisa lives in Oregon with her husband, Randy, daughter, Emily, and their Kavapoo Yogi, and I've heard good things about Randy. So <laughs> you briefly got to see Randy show up and bring me a cup of coffee. So I didn't have to leave the studio to be here with you. Right. Wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Thank for you, Randy. Mm -hmm. um, we're either going to start this off on the right foot or the very wrong foot, but I'm just going to go for it here. Dude, uh, when let's I go. think about your conversation and, and our conversation together, I think about that scene from office space where they're downsizing and the guy said, and they say, ask the guy why they need him. And he says, don't you get it? I'm a people person, damn it. You know, <laughs> and when I think about tech, it's these brilliant minds mm -hmm. that do incredibly in their job, but then maybe sometimes it gets lost in the interpersonal aspects. Is that kind of what you focus on with RLD group? <laughs> yes. So what you're talking about is exactly the space that we play in, um, in RLD group. Uh, you know, we're on a mission to eradicate burnout in tech. And I believe that burnout is caused by amazing technical experts who get promoted into people management, but not developed. So they rely on the skills that made them great technical experts as they, and they apply that to people. And the, the missing link there is there's the intellect and then there's the heart. And so we help leaders connect their heads and hearts so that they can really be leaders that inspire and create environments for humans in tech to bring their best selves forward, to make an impact, to be present for the moments that matter. Because you don't go to work for your gravestone to read, you were a great technical expert. That's not it. That's not the point of life. It's a part of who you are, but it's not all of who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And yep. um, you, the cool thing about RLD group is that uh, this is not a consultant out there somewhere telling you, hypothetically, you were knee deep in this for a couple of decades. So you have yeah. real, real experience and, and lots of it. Can you tell us just a little bit of your story and how you started there and you ended here? Yeah. Um, thank you for, first of all, thank you for asking, because I believe the connection for anyone happens in your story, right? It's one right. thing to read your resumes. And I think, why did you do that? What matters to you? So um I think I'm going to start in the middle and then I'll just bookend it for you. So there was a time, uh, it was around midnight. I was in the emergency room at the local hospital with my laptop on my lap and my colleague by my side. And we were finishing up, you know, I'm going to date myself, but a PowerPoint presentation for the executive team that I was presenting the next day. 
And the reason we were doing that is because we were back to back, always on never good enough culture. And uh, that partly had to do with my own belief system. It wasn't necessarily what was always said to me. It was the stories that I told myself too. And um, my husband and my two-year-old daughter were at home and didn't even know I was in the hospital getting, you know, evaluated if I was having a heart attack because I didn't want to worry them. Right. So when you really like unpack that, there's so much wrong with that story. Right. (laughs) Let me just like say out loud. First of all, the first question is, honey, I'm rushing to the hospital. I might be having a heart attack. Second call is, um, hey, that meeting tomorrow, probably not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, but instead it was just, I was so intertwined with that. My work product was who I was. And that that was the most important thing that I lost sight of the moments that matter. And so, you know, if you fast forward to where we are now, that was actually my wake up call when I realized how rampant burnout was and how sneaky it is because of, you know, people that are A plus players who really put themselves into their work, they value being valued. Right. And they, they think that that's it. And um, it was a disservice to my team, to the business and to my family. So when you go back to my original story, you know, I'm a human resources professional um, by trade. I got my degree in human resources. I believed that um, learning and development was something that was essential for adults because it could have a ripple effect, not only for that person, their team, the customers, and also their family members. So it's always been in my soul to help leaders be their best selves. And, um, it was my journey to figure it out for myself too. Um, I spent 20 years in tech. I was not an engineer. I was alongside engineers all day long. And so I never really felt good enough because I didn't have the engineering degree and I didn't value what I did bring for so many years because I actually brought the heart to match the head. Right. Mm -hmm. So I understood the psychology. I understood people. I understand systems. I understand organizational dynamics. And I put so much emphasis on otherness, you know, separateness that I, um, I always overgave, over delivered always to even feel like I could even have that seat at the table. And, um, yeah, my career blossomed. It grew, it bloomed. I tremendous respect and gratitude for the career that I had inside corporate. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was my journey to figure out what mattered most, you know, and I was a woman is- in tech that was an engineer. And, and what you're bringing, though, is then that understanding of the heart aspect of things to tech, to tech leaders. So let's just play devil, devil's advocate for a second. Mm-hmm. I'm a leader. I'm pretty good. I'm not, you know, I'm not sending you emails at two in the morning. But what do I care if you get burnout? Is there like a, is there a benefit <laughs> to the leadership, though? Because there's a price. Oh, to yeah. This. There's a real yeah. dollar amount, even. And there's a trillion dollar amount to this problem. A trillion dollars. And that's just in the U S and the reason you should care. So many reasons. Number one, if you want a high performing team and you want loyalty and engagement, you need to care, right? I mean, that's just fundamentally there's humans in your charge and you need to care. Um, Even more than that, if you just want to be super pragmatic and not give a crap about people, it costs a shit ton of money. I hope I can say that Bridget. I'm just going to go there. Yeah, I already said a trillion, right? Yeah. When you think about the healthcare costs for the chronic illness that is associated with burnout, you know, all of the stress related issues, heart disease, obesity, mental health, um, lost days of work and productivity, missed, um, missed 
errors and that all of a sudden you got buggy code, you got to rework it, missed deadlines. It's, it's exponential just at the pragmatic level. If I'm just a stockholder, I should care much less if I am responsible for the people, you have a moral obligation to give a shit. And then my, in my opinion, right. Right. Yeah. And And it's way um, more than the email at two in the morning. You know, that's a great start to not do that. And it's way more than that too. Right. And, and these, um, let's talk a little bit about the burnout aspect. Do people usually bounce back from that? And then what's the shelf life of, of a techie mm, then if you're, if you're battling this? Yeah. Um, you know, I've noticed lately, so my podcast control Alt delete is about rebooting from burnout, right? It's about leadership mindset, you know, rebooting your leadership drive, all of that. So what I can tell you is in the expert interviews that I do, as well as my own personal experience as someone who has rebooted from burnout and supporting organizations to change their culture when it comes to burnout, um, if you catch it early, you're, it's better. But by the time you're labeling it as burnout, you're really beyond burnout. Like burnout is such a sneaky little thing. And um, yes, you can rebound from it. You can reboot from it. It requires intentionality, support, uh, vulnerability. Usually when you're labeled as burnout, getting the clinical diagnosis, which exists for a reason, um, it's going to take time and it has to require a habit change and mindset change. Yeah, it's possible, but it's not instant. It's, um, it's so hard to be that self-aware too, though. You know, I even, I see this a lot just with my spouse where I'm like, um, I think we need to get ahead of something here before this, Mm -hmm. before we go too far down the path, but it's really hard to see that in yourself because you are, you are defined by what it is you, you give out there. So, you know, if you have a project and a deadline and you don't make it, that's a big burn on you. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to, to see it. What are some you know, even before you get to burn, before, before you end up in the hospital doing, you know, PowerPoints PowerPoints while they're waiting. And by the way, by the way, I didn't tell you, I did not have a heart attack. What I had, and this is a very, I think this will tie back. I had an allergic reaction to a round of antibiotics that I begged for from my doctor. I had had chronic bronchitis for three months. It was affecting my sleep. It was affecting my mental health and it was affecting my work product. And I knew I had to travel and I was tired of coughing. This is way before COVID where if you cough, they'd look at you like, get the hell out. Right. <laughs> I, they were just like, okay, she's coughing again. Um, and we had tried so many different antibiotics, nothing worked. And I begged and begged and begged. I said, we've got, I've got to get some sleep. I've got to stop coughing. The prescription should have been, I'm going to write you a note for two weeks off of work and you're going to go sleep. Right. But the prescription was, was another round of antibiotics that I had an allergic reaction to. And so what happened was the muscles and my ligaments and my muscles were actually tearing because of the antibiotics. And so like, this could have had like life-changing catastrophic forever. But I thought, well, I got this weird radiating pain up my arm. I think that's like a heart attack sign. So um, we figured it out, but yeah, it was because I was not listening to my body and I was, you know, basically bringing my doctor alongside to say, just give me something else to fix this, which is very common. Right. Right. And that is yeah. common. And and again, it is kind of one of those, I hear, I hear myself, I get that I'm tired, but if I just had more sleep, everything would be fine. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can grab it on the plane or I can, I totally. get it if I weren't coughing, but it's really just a whole, a whole bunch yeah. of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I took you away from your question and I got inspired by what you said to like highlight the fact that, because we're talking about the laptop. 
Um, let me just circle back and make sure I answer it. So was the question, how can you identify it even though you're in it? Right. Is so it- what are, so, you know, you have bronchitis for three months. Like I, I'm going to call you out there, Lisa, like that's a red flag. right? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And don't think that Randy, the hubby who we talked about earlier, wasn't like, Hey, red flag. Right. <laughs> we got a problem, you know, cause it's affecting his sleep too, by the way, I'm coughing right. and keeping him up. And so right. I was just like, well, you're just being selfish. You need more sleep. Like you don't even, you know, drink some more coffee, right? You know, this is like the frenetic, frantic kind of BS you feed yourself. So a couple of things you might be in burnout. If you have been in the hospital, working on a PowerPoint. I'm just kidding. However, cynical cynicism happens, right? When you start to just think everything sucks, it's never going to get better. You know, and you start to have this like black and white thinking. Um, it's a tremendous alert, 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 if you can see it in yourself, or if there's someone that trusts that you trust that can actually share that with you, like, mm, I think there's more options than you can see. It's like this like tunnel vision you get. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very cynical and it was way beyond work too. It was everything. Um, the second thing I can tell you is when you, for me and what I know with my clients too, let me just, I'm just going to keep it real. So I'm not going to call it depression, right? But I'm going to call it like lethargy, apathy, fatigue. It's like, it's the combination of it's harder to get up in the morning. You're less motivated to do it. You can't get the same work done you used to because your foggy brain, like your memory goes, you just kind of, you're, you're not on your game, right? Uh-huh. And for me, when, when that happened, instead of dealing with it, I started holding meetings virtually way before this happened. And I would go to a conference room and lock myself in there so people wouldn't have to see my physical experience of myself, Mm -hmm. right? So I could keep my face in because my face tells you how I feel. So if you can't see me and I can mute you and I can be like, oh, this is a bunch of bullshit. Here we go again on mute. And they go, yes, here's the next idea, right? Right. Um, I actually was hiding that part of me because I knew that that wasn't useful, but I didn't know how, I didn't recognize it as a sign of burnout. I recognized it as, well, everything sucks. Do you know? Uh-huh. Um, so there's the also catastrophic thinking is very common, right? So there's, there's a lot of like your own experience of yourself when you're not the same, but you just keep thinking, I'll catch up later. I just got to push through. If you're feeling like you have to push through all the time, it's a really good indicator that it's worth evaluating. Mm-hmm. And what I can tell you, the magic for me that happened was once I, well, I took a medical leave and the first two weeks I worked every day anyway. And my husband called my doctor and said, Hey, heads up. <laughs> She's still working. So they had an intervention and said, listen, you know, you need to take this seriously. We're not joking around. You have Silicon Valley itis. It's, it's the number one reason I see people in my office every day. And we're going to be done with this whole antibiotic fixing things on the side. What you need to do is rest and restore. And if you're not going to take it seriously, I can't help you. So my husband took my phone away from me, went and got me a personal phone for the first time, hid my work phone from me. And then my doctor was like, we're going to check in and we're, you know, we're going to take care of this. So I'm telling you all this to say that we're so ingrained in the always on and the never good enough. Like I got to get this done. What are, you know, layoffs are next week. They're always laying people off. You know, there's, there's this, your amygdala gets stuck in fight or flight. And when you're in fight or flight, you're not thinking about innovation and creativity. You're literally from a neuroscience standpoint, thinking about safety. 
which is why I hid in the conference room, right? Which is why I took my laptop to the emergency room. It's like safety, job security. So one of the, the main things I can say is when I realized I was setting all these goals, thinking that when I got there, I'd be happy and fulfilled, you know, get the promotion, nail the presentation, you know, do an amazing whatever. Um, And it wasn't until I took that break and I started resting that I really started pondering, you know, what am I really going for? Like, is that all there is? And what is like, you, you know, it was like a, I guess an existential crisis at some point. Right. But the question I learned was what feeling am I chasing? Because every decision I was making that led me to burnout, I was chasing a feeling. I just didn't know it. I thought I was chasing the experience, but I wanted to feel valued, to feel intelligent, to feel equal, right? Respected, valuable. I mean, there's all of these feelings I was chasing. And, you know, I could get all that without burning out. I just didn't realize it. So once I got clear that the real question for me was, how do I want to feel? And is the choice I'm about to make going to lead to that feeling? Right. If I want to feel healthy, is bringing my laptop to the emergency room going to leave? No. Right. Right. Um, oh, I, you froze. And I hadn't me. put. Oh, there no. you go. I got you back. I got you back. Okay. Yeah. And the, so the second part of that that really uh, um, changed my world was what matters most right now because I never thought I mattered. And guess what? That whole oxygen mask thing that everyone talks about that, you know, I poo poo, like I'm superhuman and that's other people's problems. Yeah, no, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. And what mattered most for me realizing I'm, you know, maybe having a heart attack at that moment was my relationships were in the tank. Mm -hmm. You know, I was great, great at work, but man, what about life? So I had to remember who I was and what mattered most to me and how I wanted to feel in order to reboot from burnout. That was a real game changer for me. And that is, um, I mean, that is not just specific to tech, although I would imagine it is exponentially more, but it's, it's amazing now because we do have, we do have our, our phones on us all the time. And now everybody's mm-hmm. working from home. And I, I read this study not too long ago about how now that everybody's working from home, work hours are actually getting longer and totally. yep. you know, people and people are incredibly productive. That's the great news. So maybe you don't have to pay for an office space anymore. You can have everybody at home. But the bad news is people are incredibly productive because they can't walk past that office without saying, I'll just sit here for 10 more minutes or and the kids mm-hmm. are outside. I'll just go right back to work. And it becomes mm-hmm. it's just it is on all the time. It's so hard to absolutely separate it anymore, really. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes, I, I see that, too. And I see it, especially for women, when you think about the pressures that are on, you know, I'm going to generalize, but I'm going to do it on purpose because the statistics are there. When you think about the workload, the, um, the invisible workload of running a household, right? The 17 steps before that birthday party happens, getting the gift, look, blocking the calendar, figuring out who's going, you know, allergies and you know, all the things that go with anything that happens in a family. Um, it's burnout is rampant for women. I don't care if it's tech, nonprofit. I mean, even women that, you know, are household managers and they are home full time. It is, uh, it's so scary. I don't have a word for it. Do you know, like, I think a generation is being impacted and it will have a ripple effect in our communities and to our planet. Like it's real. And 
getting clear on what matters most right now, I think for every person, um, and then ask yourself why. So what matters most right now? I got to get this project done. Why? Right? Like three whys underneath is really helpful too. Um, but this always on, I think is true in all of society, not just in tech. I think it's a very good point you make, Bridget. Right. And I, you know, I know I, I hate this term. It's, it's so cliche, but like work-life balance, work-life balance. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't totally, I don't know what that looks like because it's so personal and it's so individual work-life balance mm-hmm. on paper reads one way, but in real life, sometimes work does, you know, you say like, listen, here's the deal. I've got a big presentation coming up for the next two weeks, honey, you're making dinner or they're eating out because this one I, I'm getting down and dirty, mm-hmm. but I promise you in two and a half weeks, we're taking mm-hmm. the day and we're cutting school early and we're going to the zoo or whatever it is. So work-life exactly. balance isn't always isn't always 50-50. Sometimes it's more here and more here as mm-hmm. long as the overwhelming, like as long as you can answer the why. And if the why is, as soon as this presentation's done, they're gonna, I'm going to pass it over and they're going to roll out the product and I get to wash my hands of it. Maybe that's a good why. If the why is because I'm just going to keep grinding until I get this next thing to get this, maybe that's not mm-hmm. the good why, you know? So the why yeah. is an important part of that. You know, it's interesting because work-life balance, I mean, I, I did an episode and I called it balance is bullshit and uh, people are like, what? <laughs> right. I'm like, no, no, seriously. If you think balance, if you think balance means even, and then I heard right. the term in it, work-life integration. I was like, well, that's better. Work but I also, and, and it's such a personal thing. I mean, I, I kind of come up with the word flow, like being in the flow, getting back to what matters most. Cause I think some of those choices you make have to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And so even for me, a mom, right? My daughter's nine. Um, we are in a new state right before the pandemic happened. No community, no village. Here comes distance learning. Business owner, executive coach, podcast host. You get it, right? I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. So we sit down and we talk about what's balance look like, right? And let me tell you, that balance is way different than the balance of the yesteryear, right? And the balance tomorrow. So even right now, she's they're having um, parent-teacher conferences. And so she's off today, and well, mom, why are you working? I'm off. And I have a conversation say, you know, I'm on a mission to eradicate burnout, babe. You know, she, she knows the mission. Listen, she knows right. the mission. But did I change a, meet, a couple of meetings around so I could be with her in between? Yes, I did. Because what matters most right now is that the balance of my household runs too, right? And I, I have the luxury of being able to do that. I, you know, I work for myself, right? My husband's my business partner. We have an amazing group of coaches and consultants that support our clients. And yet I know that I also had that freedom inside corporate and I never took advantage of it or even advocated for it before burnout. I did after. Afterwards, I got really clear and I started parenting out loud. Guess what, right? We got a doctor's appointment. I'm going to do it this way. This time really matters because we have the transition from school and my kid's having a hard time. So I'm going to be offline from three to four. You can text me if it's an emergency. I'll get back to you after that. Like to just even put blocks of time to be able to be present for those moments that matter. I think there's a lot more availability to us than we allow ourselves because I just don't think as a society we're conditioned to make it okay to, you know, have a life outside of work. And, you know, I believe moments that matter is the key to balance, whatever that is for you. And, and to know your worth, you're so right. It's really, really hard to know your worth, not the dollar sign of the, um, you know, at the, at the paycheck, but to say, to own enough to say, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm important enough to you guys 
that I'm going to go to the parent teacher conference from three to three fifteen, and I'm going to be gone and I'm okay with that. And you're going to be okay with that. And, and when yeah. I come back, I'm going to be dialed in. I'm not going to be feeling guilty exactly. because now I don't know how grades went. You know, you can really, but it's hard to um, verbalize your value because I don't think we always even know it really. Well, I, when you're in an always on, never good enough, we'll replace you tomorrow. When's that next layoff coming? Believe me, asking for anything is like scary as shit. So mm-hmm. what I've learned over time is to not ask for permission, but to ask for support. And I'll just give a little tip that I give all my clients, right? We talk about this regularly, especially the women who don't want to ask because they don't want to get labeled or, you right. know, put on the mommy track, right? Mm-hmm. This work I do matters so much and I'm very invested. I know you know that, correct? <clears throat> they go, yep, <clears throat> great. I'm looking for your support because for the next three weeks, I have a little problem and not a problem. Hang on. I'm looking for your support for the next three weeks. My schedule needs to shift and I got it all covered and I have a plan and I know you're probably worried about X, Y, Z. Here's my plan. Here's where you're not going to see me. I'm not going to be available between one and three. And this is what it looks like, right? So thinking about it from the decision maker standpoint, what they care about, saying you've thought about it, addressing it in the conversation, and then not saying, may I? but saying, I'm looking for your support and then finishing with what concerns do you have, right? So stating how much it matters to you, stating that you take your job very seriously, stating that, you know, they might be concerned because there's a change coming in what you're doing, telling them your plan and then asking what concerns do you have? You know, it opens up a whole different dialogue than, Hey, can I have one to three off every other Wednesday? Because we have soccer practice, you know, like it's a whole right. different ball game. No, yeah, that's, that's perfect. I love that. I'm just going to say it again, because I, I think it's really good. So you have your need. And instead of coming in with, I want, or I need you come in with, Mm -hmm. I like your support because you know how much this matters to me. And I'm going to shift my schedule for the next, you know, however long, this is what it's going to look like. I've covered off on your concerns unless you have anything else. I love that. I think that's really well-rounded and confident owning, owning kind of exactly owning your value, right? Like, Hey, you know, I love my job and I love this work and this is coming down the road. I want to talk to you about it. I'm looking for your support. Here's my plan. What concerns do you have? You know, and instead of saying, do, is this okay? Right. That's a, that's a closed ended question. That's going to get you nowhere that you lose all your power with that question. When you say, what concerns do you have? You are now consulting with someone about solving right. a problem. And right. that's a com- game changer for women, anybody, but especially women who look for permission. I say, turn it, look for support. I love that. I think that's yeah, awesome. even at home too, by the way. Yeah, like, I was, I mean, there's, there's a ton of too. places. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. a ton of places. Gonna, you're yeah. going to be seeing this one a lot, Lisa. Um, yep. So that's what it looks like from our end. That's some things, some things that we can do differently. I know tech companies are super cool to work for. They've got the pot, the sleeping pods and they've got on-site yoga <laughs> and they've got the vegetarian, vegan cafeteria, but what are they missing? Like we have the problem. What's the solution? Mm, I love this question so much. The solution is to develop, it's to upskill and reskill your leaders, because here's the thing, you're missing the mark and you're wasting energy with drink carts and, you know, food delivery and recharge days. Cause listen, the recharge days they're working anyway. Right. Mm. Um, if you could put your efforts and time into developing people skills in your leaders and creating the opportunity for connection and safety 
mean, not, I'm not talking OSHA safety. Like we already know you got to work in a safe work. I'm talking about psychological safety to, you know, be who you are in your world and bring that to work. That's the, that's where the change needs to happen. I mean, that's honestly, that's why I formed my organization because we help turn your leaders that are liabilities, those brilliant technical experts without the people or business skills into your biggest asset by really helping them understand systems, organizational psychology, psychological safety, empathy, you know, all the things that you really aren't taught to really value or even know. I mean, this is all the sticky stuff that people are nervous for. Like, what if someone cries? What if someone says no? All of the social conditioning, when you write code, you don't have to worry about any of that. But guess what? You're still in a social system. So I really do believe that the answer is to develop, to upskill and reskill your leaders so that they can be the people leaders that your people need. Right. Yes. And, and control, I'll delete. Would you say that's, that's for both ends? Would you say that's as good totally. for the leader as it is? It's for everybody can benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause here's the thing I can tell you, right? Leaders are busy. They're worried about budgets. All the decisions are coming down. They're like, Oh, how are we going to pull it all off? They also really value their own technical expertise and they want to be, continued to be seen as that brilliant go-to person. So they almost have to change their identity and refocus on what matters most. Because when you're given the privilege, and I consider it a privilege, when you're given the privilege to lead a team of people, you got to change how you show up. And the people on your team, it needs to be safe enough for them to have the conversation about what they need and what they you know think is right and how it can work too. And what that does is it kind of creates a level playing field rather than a hierarchy. And for people, that's really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Do what I say because I said so. Mm. That's not the world we're in anymore. Do you know? Right, right. Yeah. And yeah, it is, it it's almost like um, generational is not the word, but these guys came up in that old world where you're- Command you're and control, hospital, baby. So they Command don't, and, and now they're at the top. And and so, you know, they're it's sometimes even if they get the, the right verbiage or the right words, it's still like, do as I say, not as I do, because I myself exactly. am not quite conditioned to be a real human yet. You yeah, know? So I'm still in my robot mode. Down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, what we're really talking about is command and control, right? And that no longer serves humanity. And I mean, that's a pretty bold statement to make as, a, as you know, a, an owner and a coach of a, you know, consulting and coaching firm. Right. The world has changed. And the collective wisdom, here's the thing, the rapid rate of change. You can't possibly have all the answers and be telling everybody you've got to unlock the wisdom on your team and collectively make it safe for everybody to have an idea so that you can actually move the needle. Because if it's all on you, you're never going to make it. it we're, the world doesn't work that way anymore. And then, that- oh, I lost you. There you go. No, um, uh, this book, I've probably said it before. I love it. It's like one of my favorites, Growth Mindset and mm-hmm. fixed mindset. And yet Love now it. we're seeing so much more of this, like together, let's grow instead of you do this, you do this. Cause you do, you're gonna, to be in tech, it requires so many things. It is, it's very hands-on and, and up in your head, but it's also very much in your heart because you got to be creative and you got to be inspired and you got to be, you know, those are like not mm-hmm. tangibles. So you have to have a really good foundation to mix all of that together. And yes. then Produce, mass produce that, you know? Yeah. And your job as a leader is to unlock the collective wisdom of your team and to not be the person with all the answers. Right. And when you're, when you're rewarded 
for having all the answers and promoted for having all the answers. And all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute, this isn't sustainable. This isn't scalable. We're having issues. You know, I'll just go fix it. Well, guess what? You're going to burn out. Like when you think about the liability to yourself too, as the leader, what's your team going to do when you're burnout? out? They don't even know what they're empowered to do because you've been holding it all. Uh-huh. It, it's like, yeah, there, there's so much to this. And if I could just say something with you, I'm so grateful you brought up growth mindset. So I was on a panel a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about fixed versus learning mindset, you know, under the guise of growth. <clears throat> and here's what I know. We are stronger and smarter together. It is not possible in the world we're in today to have all the answers. And the faster we recognize that and the more we allow that connection and we ask the right questions because questions is where all of the answers come from. We're all better for it. And that is growth. That is learning. So I think we need to be lifelong learners and study ourselves and you know, study the, the world that we're in so that we can create the space. And with a how might we question. I mean, it's my favorite yes. question. How might how, we? How, yes, how? I, that's wonderful. Because it is, I mean, you're only going to come up with like, you know, a couple great ideas in your life. But if you can surround yourself with everybody and everybody comes up mm-hmm. with a couple great ideas in your life, well, then you've got a pro- you've got products to roll out from here into eternity. Um, yeah. But how might we is, that's got to be the, the opening. I love the idea of, uh, I say it all the time, like constructive criticism. You can hit me with constructive criticism all day long. I absolutely love it. Don't tell me I suck. That's not going to do anything. But mm-hmm. I love the idea of being able to grow and evolve because we are, so resilient as human. I mean, you know, ever since our caveman days, we can do this, we can totally. figure this out, but we have to know that we can do it. And then we have to be given the opportunity to, to do that evolving, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the growth mindset concept for anyone who's listening, who hasn't read it or picked up on it, it's really this concept of, and yet, right. So there's an and world and then the yet world. It's like, I don't know how to do this yet. And I'm going to go figure it out. Right. It's, it's really getting grounded in the fact that you have what you need inside you. You just need to figure out what that right step is or that person to talk to, that YouTube video to watch, whatever that is. So the and yet, I think, allows us all to be humans in progress. Mm-hmm. You know, that perfection is the is the death of innovation. Sure, so, yeah, I'm really glad. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think it's a very important point for people. Um, humans in progress is wonderful. I love that. Um so let's play a little bit. Let's, uh, let's go to our improv days. Just if you are a woman in this industry, does, what is your resume? What's the, like, what's the intangibles that you're going to need? Not so much to get the job, but to survive the job, you know, to grow into the job. Mm. Well, I do a lot of work with um, women who are returning to the workforce after taking a break for either childcare or elder care, right? You, so you do we, the women back to work project. I right? do. Yeah. Okay. I yes. Work with yes. Women back Tell us to work. that's cool. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. And I love that you brought this up so much. So what happens for the women who are in tech, they've already got the degree, they've landed the job, like, yes, I'm in. Right. And then all of a sudden they're like, I can't do all this. And the, the first thought is I can't do all this, which is, I believe the wrong thought. I don't think that serves the company or you it's how might I do what matters most right now. Uh-huh. It's a whole different game. Right. But what happens is go off, stay at home, take care of the kids. And then all of a sudden, like, I really liked working. I liked what I did. I liked having that piece of me. I missed that piece of me. What do I do now? And, oh, but technology's evolved. I can't possibly, how could I pot? Right. And there's this like stress, self-doubt 
and almost like shame that goes with this um, experience because, oh, I'm selfish. Oh, I want this too, you know? So even having the courage to dream is so inspirational to me. So anybody who wants to return in tech, I'm all in and I want to help you, right? So Women Back to Work create, created a program where they match companies that have returnships with women who are returning. So they understand that it's different. They've actually carved out um, a flexible space with some structure and created a small amount of time where you get to test drive with each other and then convert over if it's a good fit, right? So that it's actually building the confidence, the capacity, you know, the clarity for both sides to figure it out. And I would say that what's, what's really important when you're thinking about being in tech and returning is really to get clear on the stories you're telling yourself, because most of the time we're telling ourselves a bunch of BS. So asking yourself, is this true? You know, where, what are the facts? So, oh, I couldn't possibly catch up. Well, guess what? There's boot camps, there's online, there's programs. You you could, right? Oh, well, it'll take too long. Okay, well, then what is your right time frame? Like really just having a dialogue with yourself or a trusted partner, I think is huge. And the thing I know for sure is if you are in a relationship with another adult to have the conversation about what life would look like, you know, how might we be a two career household again? How might we still be present with our kids, our dogs, our loved ones, right? When we know the pressures, does that mean we order DoorDash more? Does it mean we meal prep on Sundays? Does it mean, you know, we wing it and the kids start learning how to cook? Like, I don't know. I'm making it up for whoever you are with the how might we question. So I think checking your mindset, checking your stories, being clear on your why, why you want to go do this, um, and then partnering with whoever is in your household to really figure out what that would look like and how might you really succeed in that. Because we all need a sense of self to be able to be our best to others. Like you, 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 I think um, Eve Roski, she has a book called Fair Play, and I think she calls it Unicorn Space, like that we all have our own unique thing too. Um, I, I just think it's essential to really check your limiting beliefs in the stories first, like start there and then start to dream and then start with the, how might we, you know, I and the, the, the limiting. Yes. It's so easy to kind of just, Oh, well that works for her, but I could never, you know, and then totally. if you really follow that totally. conversation up. It's like, well, why could I never? Okay. Well, why that part, you know, and then go mm-hmm. through your three whys, And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, well this I can do. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. and you get to grow. Yeah. And also even going back to how do I want to feel like, what feeling am I chasing? If I want to return, what am I thinking that's going to do for me? How is that going to make me feel? Am I, as my, the feeling I'm chasing going to be met that way. And are there other ways to meet it too? Right. People talk about the side hustle or part-time this or whatnot all right. There's, there's so many ways to do it. You don't, maybe you don't go back full-time. Maybe you literally look for a part-time something. I don't know. Like just ask yourself if I want to feel you know, present with my family. I want to feel present with myself that I have my own personal time. And I want to feel that I'm making an impact in something I love. Does that equate to returning to work or is it something else? Like really just, I think being curious is the biggest gift you can give yourself because that's where the innovation comes from. 
And it feeds off of itself, that curiosity. So at mm-hmm. first it might be hard to really answer those questions, but then the more you, you dig, then, the, then you start automatically asking yourself a whole bunch of questions. And that's really when the innovation starts because now you're just fearless with what you're curious about. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. And I, if I can make a book recommendation, the, the, the place I learned that question about how do I want to feel is from a book by Danielle Laporte. It's called The Desire Map. The Desire and Map. It sounds like a funny name. At first I was like, desire map. That's so like intriguing, but it's really about your soul's desire, right? And then mapping it to your choices. It's it's a fabulous book. So okay. much so that I got I got licensed and I'm a facilitator for this process. Like it's a big deal in my world. It's it's a huge game-changing deal in my world. So, you know, hear me say this, but if you want the workbook to actually do that work, uh-huh. whether you call me as a consultant or you do it yourself, like I literally went to the Barnes and Noble. I went to the, you know, I don't know if it was self-help or personal improvement, whatever they're calling it these days. Right. It was just staring at me. And I picked the book up. I took it with me. I went to the beach. I opened it up and I was like, holy shit, this is the map to figure it out. So, you know, it's a, it's a huge, huge gift to, to me and to anybody and that I've recommended it to. And that's what it is. You almost like, you almost don't know how to get from point A to point B. And sometimes yeah. to have a little map, Mm-hmm. to tell you okay now this is going to become this and then we'll start looking for this that's god's great um the desire map so what you said yep yep it's a great, great book yeah we'll have to look it up um well i enjoyed chatting with you i did i so did i burn it at the beginning with the office space analogy no are you kidding me <laughs> where's my stapler i got all that, kinds of all this. i kept thinking i kept thinking of this conversation i'm like i feel like she's the girl that teaches the people not to say i'm a people person damn it you know <laughs> Like don't say I'm a people person. It's <laughs> such, you know, say, you know, I am a human who wants to work with other humans. Like if you can remember as a leader, you actually have the privilege of leading humans. That's a huge privilege. Like it I wouldn't is. take that lightly, right? It's not, I'm a people person. Hell no. Although by the way, I couldn't even watch that movie for years because it drove me nuts. Oh, um, yeah. It just really triggered me because it was everything I didn't want to be as an HR professional in my corporate life. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, no. And even um, there's a George Clooney movie when he flies across the world, laying everybody off up in the air. Oh, up in the air. Oh yeah. I haven't, air. I wasn't able to watch that. Oh, that to the MG. Yeah. I didn't want to be that guy either. Like I, my goal in life is to make it so that you actually strategically run your business. So you don't have to manage your budget through layoffs. Like, let's just get really clear. How might you run your business without leveraging layoffs as your you know, main source of saving money? Because guess what? You hired those people. You had a plan. So what's wrong with the plan? Uh-huh. It might not be the people. Like I just, I challenge everybody to pause and just say, how might we make our budget without it being a layoff situation? Like, let's go get creative and not just default to that every six months. And it is about the people always at the end of the day, because you can, I mean, even like you said, if you, even if you want to get super pragmatic, you can get the people to do more, you know, if you just exactly. if you want to, but it's, it's not going to happen by yelling at them. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You need to be more than that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to send people over to control alt delete for sure. And then oh, where nice. else can people find you? Yeah. Control Alt Delete's a great place to go if you want free learning or, you know, provocative thoughts to share with others. Um, RLD Group LLC is our website and it stands for Rebooting Leadership Drive. So rldgroupllc.com. And I'm very active on LinkedIn if you want to follow our business or me personally. Um, Dury is D-U-E-R-R-E and it's pronounced and you did great, Bridget, Dury like jury. 
Um, and I welcome the connection, the conversation, um, any challenging thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not looking for trolls or haters. Don't get me wrong. Right. right. But you want to show up and be like, people pleaser and like push my buttons and have me have a conversation. I'm all in because you know what? I'm learning too. Like mm-hmm. we're all in it together. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I will put those links in the show notes and um, tell, tell Randy and Emily, we said, hello. Enjoy I absolutely will. Yeah. And thank you for making the time and thanks for what you're doing. It's, it's, it's a pleasure and an honor to be a part of a movement, you know, that really brings these conversations to light. And, you know, thank you for having me. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks for sitting in. I would love to hear from you. You can find me on social media with my Facebook, Bridget Van Busker, my Insta at That's Feminism Bro, or contact me via email, that's feminismbro at gmail.com to ask any questions or concerns. If you'd like to support the show, I would totally appreciate that. And we can link up on Patreon. Please take a minute to review, subscribe, and share.